With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bécher, meaning digger. My name is Lucas, aka Three Points British King. We've got James all the way from England. Gorovi is back, and we're here to review the uh, the third Test match between England and New Zealand at Headingley. We will be talking about this match, but we want to talk about the series as a whole. Uh, England won the series three 0 as I just said. Um, but we will get on to the match. First innings, New Zealand uh, won the toss. They started the bat. Very good start by uh, New Zealand with the bat. They made uh, 329. Uh, Daryl Mitchell once again. So we, might, we must be watching a lot of Steve Smith, James. His third consecutive hundred in this series uh, managed to guide. Uh, I was going to say Australia there. Goodness me, managed to guide New Zealand to three twenty nine. Uh, your thoughts on that first innings? Jack Leach picked up a five wicket haul, a pick of the bowlers. Uh, so James, uh, your thoughts on that first innings of New Zealand's batting? I've really loved this series. I think it's been fantastic for Test cricket. It's been great to see the positive cricket that England have played. New Zealand's batting first. I could understand why they did that. There's always been, I've, I've seen probably most of my cricket in my time at Headingley. And often day one is where you can take wickets. Um, and then days two and three, it flattens out. Now, there was weather around uh, all the way through the Test match. The overheads and the, the actual pitch itself was a f- kind of par of 400 kind of track in the first innings. But the overheads and the ball moving around when it got in the hands of the likes of uh, Stuart Broad and Jamie um, Matty Potts and Jamie Overton, obviously with New Zealand having some terrific seamers as well. <coughs> Trent Bolt was incredible in, in England's first innings at the start. Um, it was never going to be completely easy to bat on because it wasn't simple conditions. But you mentioned Daryl Mitchell there. Mm. Yeah, to average over 100 in the series, to score the most runs a New Zealander has ever scored in a three-match series against England and to go down 3-0 is bonkers isn't it you know he's him and blundell in the in that partnership throughout the series was a a thorn in the side for england 
they were just absolutely superb. They can go get back on the plane, travel back to uh, Kiwi land, um, very content with their own individual performances. Blundell's definitely nailed down that wicket-keeping spot. Um, but I think you know, during the series and in this first Test match, Latham hasn't necessarily hit his no. straps despite being a really good player. Um, some of the top order haven't been in, in stellar form. Will Young's had a good second Test match, but Test matches one and three would mm. have disappointed him. And Ken Williamson, obviously coming back after a long break, hasn't quite found his Test match mm. form back. So... <clears throat> I think it's the top order that's letting India, India, New Zealand down in the three-match series. But just a final point before you move on. I, I think the it's been a really um, incredible series, really, because I think we've had almost the same Test match played three times. Um, yes, yes the, the scores in the first innings have been different. The second Test match was obviously a really <laughs> high-scoring affair. The others weren't quite so much so, but. It's been New Zealand batting first, England getting there or thereabouts on the first innings, not a lot between either side on the first innings during this series. And then New Zealand setting England around about sort of 280 or somewhere in that region to chase down. First time a side in a three-match series has done a chase of 250-plus in the fourth innings ever across three test matches. So, I mean, I know you need quite a few things to fall into into place for that to happen. The team obviously needs to be batting last all the time for that to happen. That won't always be the case. But, yeah, it's incredible series all around, I think. Baz Ball is here. Uh, and your yeah. thoughts on uh, the young debut, um, Jamie Overton, who made his debut from Surrey, I believe, James. Thoughts on his first innings? I thought he bowled okay. I don't think it was a track that necessarily gave him too many too much help. So I think yeah. it was a decent batting track and it was a little bit slower than he would have liked. But he was good and he, he swung the ball, he swings it at a pace. I don't think, um, I mean, we might come on to Ben Stokes, McCullum's tactics later, but I don't think he was necessarily helped by seemingly being asked to bowl shorts all the time at mm. the tail, um, which seems to be a common thread through the series, that the best way of but, getting the tail out is to, is to blast them out with short bowling. But I think he's got a lot about him. I mean, I, I think... Having seen both Overtons now, um, I think Jamie has probably just gone ahead of Craig in the pe- pecking order. And it certainly gives, obviously with Matty Potts having a very good series on his for his debut series, Jamie Overton coming in and certainly not disgracing himself. We'll talk about his batting a bit more in a second, but he didn't do himself any any harm, I think. And uh, Jack Leach's uh, five-wicket haul, which is yeah, which, mean, which which is divided opinion. I think am- amazingly well throughout the test match. Yeah, I think... I did a tweet, um, which I'll try and find while I'm talking to you, did a tweet yeah. after the first innings, which was actually intended to try and suggest that when everybody was talking about Brace was going to bowl England out now, this is, a you know, after Jack Reach has taken a Fifer, then spinners are going to rule this test match from here on. I never thought it was going to be the case, because if you actually look at Jack Leach's wickets in the in the first innings, he was very much, uh, I mean, Will Young played around a straight one. We saw um, Nichols freak dismissal, hitting the bat of Mitchell and lobbing up to Alex Lee's grateful hands. And then the last three that uh, Jack got were um, basically batsmen trying to hit him over the top and not doing it and holding mm. out. So in terms of the actual wickets he got, it wasn't, there was a lot of batsman assistance, mm. put it that way, in, in that. But I thought, generally speaking, he bowled well. He he, he tied one end down and he went along at sort of two and a half and over throughout a very long spell. Um, I think Ben Stokes and McCullum have filled him with quite a bit of confidence and and that, you know, a confident player often plays better than a 
a non-confident player. So I think Jack Leach is getting that from it. And I think in the second innings, he looked a lot more threatening as the pitch did a little bit more as well. So, yeah, I can't criticise. I've, I've criticised Jack Leach in the past for looking a little bit ordinary, a little bit off the pace, maybe not bowling the right speeds and being, I've always described him as a good test cricketer, not a great one. I'm still not going to change from that. But I think yep. the fact that he bowled like he did do, you can't, there's nothing to criticise in this test match. He yep. did a very, very good job. You look at how... I saw the graphic on the television of the best bowling in the match at Headingley, and he's in the top 10. You know, you don't take 10 wickets in the match by accident. He bowled very well. Badges are furry creatures. 85% of women badges think bad grooming is a major turn-off. 80% of women badges think men should trim below the belt. 89% of men think good grooming is essential to the professional success. Don't just dismiss it out of hand. Get on there, manscaped.com. Check out their great range of male grooming accessories. Hygiene, appearance, attractiveness, confidence. Simply go to manscaped.com, quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com, together we save balls. Ben Stokes, you mentioned Ben Stokes. He didn't bowl one over uh, during that first innings, which is surprisingly considering... Potts bowled 26, Jack Leach bowled 36, uh, Stuart bowled over 20, Ben Stokes not one single over. I think there was, don't know the full ins and outs of it, but I think he was a little bit unwell okay. in the run-up to the test match. Um, I know the day before he did, he put in a bit of a shift in terms of trying to prove his fitness, I guess, um, yep. both in the nets batting and also bowling quite a number of balls out there. But I think it was, you know, Jack Leach did his job Matty Potts bowled brilliantly and economically. There was no need to risk himself um, because England were doing a decent job without him. And we saw him come yeah. on a little bit in the in the second innings and he bowled like a drain. So um, I don't think, yeah, we all know that Ben Stokes is a phenomenal cricketer and his bowling is I think, probably under undervalued. But on the evidence of the second innings, maybe they didn't do a bad thing by missing him in the first yeah. innings. He didn't bowl very well the second time around. Obviously, we have seen in the last innings of the New Zealand that Tom Latham and Kane Williamson did contribute some runs, right? So, don't you think uh, Kane Williamson and the Tom Latham has disappointed New Zealand the most? Otherwise, the scoreline would have been a little different. I think all the way through, um, Gareth, there were New Zealand were in every single test match. You, know, you, you don't need to actually tinker yeah. too much for probably all three test matches to go a different route. We saw England at 55 for six when they batted and the wheels had come off. You know, all of a sudden, Basball wasn't particularly great, was it? Because wickets were tumbling and Trent Bolt and Wagner and Southie were bowling very well with some help from the conditions. You look through each of the test matches, probably, as I say, they were all three very similar test matches, level on the first innings. Then England probably won each of the test matches by putting in a decent chase and, and batting well in the fourth innings. Root at Lords, Bairstow at Trent Bridge, and then Root and Bairstow at Headingley. Um, saw England home across the, uh, the three test matches. But yeah, to get back to your point, I think the top order for New Zealand has been, will be disappointing. I think a lot, you know, a lot of those guys will get back on the plane and think, you know, even if each of us could have just averaged 10 more across the series, we'd have been in, we might even won the series. It might could have easily been New Zealand 3-0 if, if their top order had performed. We all know how good Kane Williamson is. Um, we all know how good um, Tom Latham is. They're both 
probably the two best batsmen. If you take Mitchell and Blundell out of the um, the New Zealand batting lineup, it would have been a very short series, wouldn't it? They, yep. they yes, they um, yeah restored the balance to some degree. But yeah, the top order for for New Zealand will have been their biggest disappointment, I think. Because obviously uh, earlier the coach was uh, for England was Chris Silverwood, right? So um, England was a slightly different, uh, different what do you call it, defensive team. Uh, and now after the appointment of Baz McCallum, and we are seeing like Baz is uh, Brandon McCallum is the captain of this England team because we have seen how Baz has the cap uh, has captain New Zealand team once he was the captain, and he has that tendency just to attack, attack, attack. And the, after the appointment of Baz McCallum uh, as an England coach, England uh, playing a uh, Test cricket. As obviously like an attack, attack, attack. Obviously, they are not as uh, earlier that they used to be, um, that, that they were little defensive. Like, like old, uh, where obviously the, the test cricket used to play. But currently, they just need to, uh, they are just playing like a Bas McCallum side. So, don't you think Bas McCallum appointment had made a lot of dis- difference to this England test side? All the players seem to be full of confidence. I've seen them all interviewed and they look like they're genuinely telling the truth when they're saying they're loving it. Um, I think he's very good at going into a dressing room and making people feel important, making um, them feel confident and valued and all of the things as people you want to feel loved and cherished and, um, you know, sent out there with uh, clear instructions and told to go out there, enjoy it and perform. And, you know, that that's a positive thing for a dressing room. Now, it's easy easy to say that. It's less easy to actually do that and go in there as a as a new person and, and instill that yes. confidence. We, we saw very early on yeah. during the Lord's Test match, a number of people, even before that had started, were saying they felt yeah. 10 foot tall. And, they, and he's been true to his word. Stokes has been true to his word. They, Whenever they've had the opportunity to be positive, they've taken the positive route. I do yeah. think, though, that people maybe misunderstand Basball, um, as it's become yeah. known. Yeah. I don't think, you know, I've seen Piers Morgan in the English press. I've seen Michael Vaughan, Kumar Sangakkara. A number of other pundits have said that yeah, this is the time now to bring Joss Butler in to open in Test cricket. This is the time. Yeah, Moen <laughs> no, Ali no, is, the, is no, an attacking no. player that would fit brilliantly into this side. <laughs> Sam Curran got no, a century but... for Surrey today. That is the sort. Of, he's exactly the sort of player that Brendan McCullum would like. But, I mean, we've talked to Michael on these on the podcasts after each of the Test matches so far, and you know, listening to Michael and reading up myself and Brendan McCullum and seeing what he's actually about. I don't think it's not all about teeing off and attack, attack, attack. Yeah. That's, that yeah. isn't what, yeah. when, when you face with a, you know, at all stages during the test match, you face with decisions yeah. to make, you face with different challenges. And I think the route, the route that McCullum likes his team to take is just to get the best out of themselves. He sits down and gets to know them and talks about an Alex Lees for sake of argument. He's never going to be Gary Sobers out there. He's not going to hit six sixes in yeah. and over and go along yeah. like a Ben Stokes does. But it's about knowing his role, leaving positively when he yeah. when he commits to a shot, playing it positively, believing in himself, and getting the best out of himself. And that same thing goes to all of the players all the way down the eleven. It's not about go out there, shut your eyes, swing and hit sixes. And I think maybe Ben Stokes has taken mm. the buzzball to too far to the extreme. Yeah. Because yeah. he's holed out on occasions. I thought Bairstow's innings in this test match was as good as I've seen yeah. him play. I thought, you know, obviously he stole the headlines at Trent Bridge with that innings that he played there where he was peppering the stand with sixes. And obviously he was pyrotechnics. He was incredible, wasn't it? But the 
innings in the first innings at Headingley, where, as I say, England were 55 for six at one stage. I thought Bastow came in and played an absolutely superb knock. He wasn't frightened to hit the ball. It was a fast outfield, so that kind of increases the run rate anyway. He didn't go aerial. He didn't just try and hit it over the top and hit it into into the crowd. He hit boundaries. He hit, he hit square of the wicket where the cut strips were making it even quicker on the outfield. Mm-hmm. And it was superb knock. It was a clever knock. And I think that's what Buzz Ball is about. Brennan McCullum wants his players to be positive. He wants his players to believe in themselves. He wants his players to go out there and attack when they can. But he wants them to engage their brain. He wants them to go out there and be sensible while still attacking, not just to throw their wicket away for the sake of it, but to go out there and believe in themselves and use the attacking option when that is available to them. And that's a different thing than sticking one to 11 of white ball cricketers in there. Just go out there and swing from the hip. You are listening to the Cricket Badger podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Johnny Bester has arrived as a test player, right, James? He arrived years ago. <laughs> he faded away in the middle of the moment. He certainly is. And I, you'd have been my, uh, the actual awards for the test match. Uh, uh, Jack Leach got the man of the match for this Henley test. Um, Joe Root was named the England player of the series. And uh, Daryl Mitchell was named, quite rightly, the New Zealand player of the series. Now, you can argue Root deserved it. He scored loads of runs and he was brilliant. But he, Root was doing Root, wasn't he? He was doing what Root, yeah. Root does. Whereas I think Johnny Bairstow in test matches two and three was doing the exceptional. He was doing things that were... Um, yeah, bearing in mind after the first test match, there was a lot of talk on um, on social media about should they turn away from Johnny Bairstow? Should they go elsewhere? Harry Brook was lurking in the background and Bairstow's basically told them to shut up by his performances on the pitch. He's been absolutely superb. And I would have thought there was a definite reason to name him England's player of the series um, after his knocks in the uh, last two test matches. But you say he's arrived, but I mean, you only have to go back to that uh, tremendous year where, you know, remember that stand in Cape Town when him and Ben Stokes went bonkers. He, he scored more runs in that year than any wicket-keeping batsman had done in the history of Test cricket, I think. And then they messed him around, Gareth. He was turning up at grounds, um, not knowing if he was going to keep. He wasn't knowing where he was going to bat in the order. He was also being told in one ear that he was um, England were going to win the World Cup and he had to get his white ball game sorted out. And obviously, he's one of the greatest white ball batsman in the world. So there was all of these kind of conflicting messages coming into Bairstow's head. Am I going to be picked at all? If I'm picked, what am I going to be doing? I don't know my role. I'm up and down the order. And a lot of that was because Josh Butler was shoehorned into the side and Bairstow was one of the players that had to kind of like step aside and and try and find a different role. And I think he he paid the price for that. But anybody that's watched Bairstow closely, yes, he's had a few technical issues down the years, but there's no shortage of fight in there. There's certainly no shortage of raw talent in there. And he's shown that in the last two test matches that when he, um, if he's given the backing, and this is where Brendan McCullum, he's the sort of player that Brendan McCullum might really um, make a difference to. Because if Brendan McCullum wants him, if Brendan McCullum believes in him and he tells him that he's he's the one, most wonderful thing in the world, that's 
Johnny Bairstow's, I think, quite an insecure individual at times. And I don't mean that in a bad way. And I think having somebody like Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes effectively putting their arms around him from both sides and saying, you are integral to this side. We believe in you and you're in this test team for a long time. I think that'll make it. I think think we're already seeing the results of that. He's a tremendous player. Moving on to the the England first things batting. Well, uh, we will mention um, Jamie Overton. Um, who reminded me a, a lot of uh, like Ashton Agar's innings yeah. all those years ago in the Ashes. Um, again, couldn't just just missed out on the hundred. Um, but James, he was absolutely fantastic um, Re- on debut with the bat. Jamie Overton in that first innings for England. Really enjoyed that partnership between Bairstow and Overton. It was the new record for England. Yeah. Um, for the seventh wicket partnership, they dug in. They hit the bad balls. They didn't. They weren't slouches by any means. But as I said, the conditions allowed for fast scoring. But they played sensible cricket, and Overton looked. In, it looked very organised when when he first came in at the crease. There was a couple of dodgy shots. He he was caught LBW, and it was plum LBW. But the uh, New Zealanders didn't go upstairs. Um, and if that had happened, and all of a sudden England had been something like sixty for seven, yeah, the Test match would have turned out completely differently. Yeah, the reviews. I, I like DRS because it's to get rid of the howlers, you know, to get rid of the real mm. stupid, bad decisions yeah. uh, so, so that people get reprieved. But I, I do think the one thing I don't like about it is that captains are being judged on their umpiring. And that's not what you were made a captain for. Yeah. And um, Kane Williamson not going upstairs for that decision, possibly lost in the test match. And I'm not sure your captain should be umpiring the game, but um, you, you're kind of giving them that role by giving them three reviews. Overton and Burstow combined really did take advantage of that reprieve. And Overton, I thought, was tremendous. You know, he hit some very, very good boundaries. I'd have loved to have given him three extra runs to get him to his century. Yeah. Um, he deserved it. And you could see how disappointed he was when he got out. But it was nice to see Burstow chase after him and put his arm around him. And apparently yes. he, he said to him, soak this up, enjoy the atmosphere, enjoy this, the applause you're going to get because you deserve this. And I don't know whether he's going to ever beat that 97. He looks like mm. he's got the game that he could do in the right yeah. circumstances. He, he, he could he could get more runs down the line. We've seen plenty of people have an innings like that and never get close to it again. Yeah. So, But, I th- you know, he's been averaging 50 for Surrey um, this mm. year. He's got one first-class 100 before 120. I think he actually reined himself in quite a lot in that innings because from what I gather, I've not seen a huge amount of Jamie before, but from what I gather at Surrey, he is a little bit of a biffer. He likes to swing um, and he didn't do that in that innings because he didn't have the power to do that. Um, So he played within himself. So we may see a few more, you know, if England do have a platform in the future and he comes in at number eight, we may see some faster runs from him. But I think all in all, given the conditions weren't necessarily completely in his favour with the ball and he made 97 with the bat, he, there's been plenty of worse test debuts, haven't there? You mentioned not not many people get that close anymore. You know, we just mentioned Ashton Nagar. Ashton Nagar has never, ever got that close. No. Um, when he made that, I think it was 97. Uh, I think it was actually 96, I think. Was it 96, 97? I, I, um, I remember Alex Tudor, the yep. former Surrey bowler who's now does a bit of commentary. He got 99 in a test match. can't remember what year that was. Sometime in the yep. 90s, I think. And uh, at the time... You know, he was he was coming into the side. He was bowling quite well. He showed his worth with the bat by scoring ninety nine. You mm. thinking, oh, it's a shame he's out, but he'll he'll get a, get another chance. And then it had injuries and never mm. hardly ever played again. So you know, there's no yeah. guarantees in, in well, sport. Well, well, Jack Leach, another one of those players um, who made that ninety uh, against Ireland, has never came close since. Well, he got, um, he got a beautiful one against um, <laughs> a, a, some team once, didn't he? Oh, okay, okay. 
Yeah, that's uh, it's it's incidental. You bring that up on the same ground they did that, James. Yeah. Um, just nicely clicked it, clicked it off his hip, and just yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think I don't need to remind it what happened. Um, two balls before that, um, I, I always Lyon. like to get this in at some stage on our chats. Yeah, we do. You do, yeah. and I sent the Badger a message and now I'm on the podcast with this jingle. If you would like to get in touch with the Cricket Badger podcast then tweet at cricket underscore badger. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Uh, you're being very kind to England there, James. You said um, 5 for 55. They're actually 6 for 55. Um, yeah. And then as no, I, We do it the right way around in England. 55. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So you, you so it's so a bit like the uh, miles per hour, the instead of uh, kilometers per hour. Yeah. No, or the we, stone, we do kilograms. Yeah. Down under and reverse them. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. The 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 proper way, uh, <laughs> uh, not the American way. Um. So England uh, made three sixty mainly thanks to a wonderful innings by Johnny Bairstow and uh, to Jamie Overton. New Zealand um had their um their second innings and really needed something from their top order to a certain extent. Tom Latham um. Got them some runs. Kane Williamson also looked good and got New Zealand into a very strong position. Um, and then, uh, as we mentioned earlier before, um, Jack Leach came on, did very well. A, a lot of debate about Jack Leach's bowling, but he picked up 10 wickets in this match. Uh, two five, two fivers uh, in each innings. Um, Daryl Mitchell, as he does, and Tom Blundell um, made 50s each. And it set England a very tricky task, um, James. Mind you, they've done it twice, lightning strikes twice. And they did it a third time. Um, but your assessment on the uh, on the fight back from England when Daryl Mitchell was set, Tom Blundell was set, and we're looking at both the hundreds here, um, really pushing that lead up to probably four hundred. But um, a good fight back from England, especially Jack Leach. I think getting Mitchell out was huge for England because mm. he's obviously had an incredible series. Yes, Matthew um, Potts, and, I think that was. Yeah, and and him with um, Tom Blundell at the other ends, they've just been, you know, their partnerships mm. through the series have been absolutely superb. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that was a huge wicket. Um, we've seen some late order kind of resistance from New Zealand during the series as well with the yes. likes of Southies and Bolts and stuff getting a few runs, and they didn't quite do that in no, the second no. innings at Headingley. So the fact that um, the lead going into the final innings was, was it 296 to win England needed, wasn't it? I yes, think, um, that's correct. Which is top end, you know, any, any chase of 300 on the final day um, or the final innings, uh, day four or five, is, is yeah, notoriously historically problematic. But England, mm. it's, it's bizarre, Lucas, because I've, I've watched cricket for decades and, yeah. you know, going back a chase of 300 in the final innings for, you know, if, if you went back into this kind of like the Atherton, um, Hussein kind of era, I don't think they'd have even thought about the possibility of winning. No. It'd have been about batting it out. It'd have been that all the mm. talk would have been about saving the game, or how do we salvage this? Is there going to be rain on day five? Yeah. That would that that would have been the talk. Mm. And it's bizarre because you you come to Test match number three of this series, and Basball is already um, that positivity is already sort of soaking into English supporters, and um, because I 
never actually thought that England weren't going to lose, weren't going to win that much. You come to, yeah, chasing 296 on a day four or five track. And I always thought England were going to win. And that, that I just, I, I mean, I'm sat here now thinking, why do I think that? And it's because all of this positivity is being spouted by the players. Stuart Broad was asked, you know, whatever New Zealand get, we're going to chase it, whatever it is. Uh, and they believe it. And they believe, you know, Brendan McCullum sat them down after the, uh, before the chase at Trent Bridge and said, like the draws off the table kind of thing. You know, you either win this game or you lose it. Uh, if you mm. lose it, so be it. We're going to play the right way. But if you lose it, fine. But go out there and win it. We're going to win this game. And you t- by taking the draw out of the conversation, everybody knows what they need to do. There isn't any, should I stick or twist? There isn't any, shall I just defend, defend, defend and try and stay here till tea? They just go out and play cricket and they and, and they look like they're enjoying it. And that confidence, that positivity, all of those things that McCullum is injecting into their psyche are creating a team that actually thinks it can win from any situation, which is actually quite a dangerous, quite, quite a dangerous animal. I mean, it remains to be seen how that translates into a series, into a one game against India and then the, the series against South Africa. Can England do this? Because I I do feel that if they continue to play this kind of way, we're going to get incredible days like Trent Bridge. The more confident they get, the more it happens and the more they do it, it's probably going to become more frequent. But there will surely be days where they fall flat on their backsides and it mm. goes horribly wrong and they lose by a long way. I mean, the 55 for six is a good example of that. They, you know, the fact that Bairstow and Overton were able to dig them out of that hole was credit to those two. But that could quite easily, if that DRS had gone differently or they, mm. if they'd used it, that could have quite easily been 100 all out. And then England would have been chasing their tail in that test match. So there will be test matches. You know, England have got, to, there's a sort of, he's sadly dead now, but Bobby Ball was a strange little comic character in, in England with, braces and stuff and there will be times where England are Baz Ball there will be times when England are Bobby Ball and that you know when they when they're Bobby Ball people need to basically just think the pain is worth it because there will be days ahead where we have glory and there is entertainment and there is fun and there is victory and you sometimes when you play that way you know, it's that phrase in that if you live by the sword you die by the sword yeah some yeah. days you will win some days it'll be the flashing blade of Zorro <laughs> yeah. and everything will be wonderful there will be other days where it's maybe you just stab yourself in the foot and limp off and there will be days like that and it might be next week against India. You know, the likes of Jasprit Bumrah, if they get their teeth into that England basball batting prowess and um, it doesn't quite come off, India have got all the tools to make England pay. So it's going to, i tell you what, it's, it, and it sounds churlish for me to kind of pick holes in a team that's just won 3-0 because I'm certainly not because I've really enjoyed it and mm. I've loved watching it and I think there's been some superb days of cricket. But there, were, there may be some pain alongside the game. Mm. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Yeah, I just hope that's not against India because, well, you know my take on that on that series. Um, and uh, for for once, I'm going to go for England, James. The hell, the hell with everybody else. I'm, I'm hoping England. I think for for mankind in cricket, the cricket gods. I hope England win that Test match. Well, now um, you're putting your, putting your faith behind England. They've got no <laughs> chance, have they? <laughs> that's right. Exactly. I should I should have. 
I should be doing that during the Astro series in England, which will be next year, which we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, now we'll just go through the second innings of England. Um, what you just said, um, this was supposed to be a very tricky case, but they did it with real ease, James. Very, very easy. Um, having said that, Alex Lee's got run out, horrible run out, mainly thanks to Zach Crawley. And you think, oh, there we go. It's not going to happen for us. But Ollie Pope, um, a mixed bag for Ollie Pope in the series. One day he's very good, one day he's very bad. Um, yesterday, very good. Today, not so much. Joe Root and Johnny Besto, they made this case look very, very easy, James, as you just mentioned. I, if we go through from one to one to five, Alex Lee's, you can't really blame him too much for the, yeah, the yes. disappointing test match at Headingley. I'm sure he was a former Yorkshire player who'd have loved to have gone back to the ground and scored his first mm. 100 or whatever there, but he was sawn off in the second innings by yeah. a, a mix-up yeah. uh, with Zach Crawley. Yeah. I tweeted yeah. at the time, if Zach Crawley doesn't throw his own wicket away, he throws Alex Lee's in the bin. But the... Um, <laughs> You then, uh, Alex, sorry, Zach Crawley's, I mean, how long we got? Because I could go on about Zach Crawley forever. But <laughs> Take I, your time. There is undoubtedly some kind of talent there. Really? Really, James? You believe that? Somewhere. He's quite well hidden okay. to the to um, to most people. But he can hit a beautiful cover drive. He's, he's tall. He's, you know, he plays yeah. reasonably straight. The straight drive's good. It's just... <sighs> The challenge for any opening, and this is kind of why Joss Butler should not be opening, this is why Jason Roy didn't work, this is why Alex Hales didn't pay off, mm. is that as an opener in, in Red Bull Test cricket, forget Buzzball, um, you need to know what to leave, you need to know what to play, and then you need to be able to have the technique to do that and to play the ball when required. And I, I watched the first 20 balls or whatever of Zach Crawley's innings in the second innings, <laughs> and he could have easily been out 10 times. Easily been out 10 times. You know, catches lobbed up and just fell into gaps, played across his front pad. It was going down leg side. Aerial shots that landed in the gaps. He was all over the place. And then he started to hit boundaries, hit about two or three boundaries. And it looked like he was basically, it was almost like the frantic cornered animal. Um, I'm going to have to try and claw my way out of this because kind of batting a bit more sensibly just isn't working for me. Yeah. So yeah. he hit some big shots and, they, and a few came off. And then with Bracewell, yeah. they changed the field on the offside. The commentators on the TV were talking talking him in through his dismissal because they basically said, yeah. he's put the fit catcher in on the offside. He's going to lob it up there, going to try and tempt the drive. He plays aerially through the offside. Got a thick outside edge. Whatever, it bubbled up to extra cover and he was on his way. And I'm just, I just can't understand I think it's actually not fair on Zach Crawley to keep picking him because he's trying yeah. to learn how to play test cricket or how to play top-level cricket in the glare of 24 sky cameras from every single angle with everybody talking about him, trying to find his way. There comes a time where you've almost got to put him out of his misery and send him back to Kent to just kind of work his game out and to come back stronger. I think there's a test career ahead of Zach Crawley. I think it's probably another 50, 60 test matches in him. But he's got to work out how he's going to get those test matches. And at the moment, he's being gifted test caps and he's not actually, he, he doesn't warrant them. And it makes me wonder if he knows where the bodies are buried or whether he's got pictures of Rob Key or whether <laughs> what he's got to blackmail the selectors yeah. with because he doesn't warrant the place on performance. Now, Brennan McCullum came out after the uh, test match today and said they don't expect him to be consistent, but he's got talent and, they, and they're excited by him. Well, I'm sorry, but your opener, you're batting, 
your batsman has to have some kind of consistency. I tweeted that and somebody came back and said, well, he's consistent, meaning that he's always out. <laughs> um, but that's not the consistency right. you're looking for. As an opener, <laughs> as a top three batsman, and you, know, you mentioned Ollie Pope. Um, I'll bring him into this. I think Ollie Pope's had a brilliant series because mm. in the top three, in England especially, when the ball's doing a little bit and you've got the likes of Trent Bolt who know what they're doing with that ball, sometimes you're going to get a ball that's tough to keep out. You're yeah. going to get nicked off early. Your feet aren't quite moving. I don't subscribe to that there's no such thing as that, that there are unplayable deliveries. There's no such thing as that. No, Every no, ball is playable, but yeah. some balls are a hell of a lot harder to play than others. Yeah. And Trent Bolt and Tim Southie are very good at sending those kind of balls down. So yeah. the likes of Lees, the likes of Pope, even Crawley are going to get balls with their name on to some degree when you're in the top three in England. Yeah. But I think Pope has... Um, his century at Trent Bridge was absolutely superb. His 82 in the second innings at Headingley was absolutely yeah. superb. When he plays like that, you can see a test player there. You can see a long future and you can see somebody who's going to play um, probably the next decade if he stays fit and stays free from injury. I just don't see that with Zach Crawley at the moment. I yep. think I think they will pick him again for, against India. Mm, I think he'll I be think playing... I think he'll be playing on Friday, um, but then I think they make the decision. I think after the India game, they have to sit down and work out whether it's actually cruel, whether actually some, you know, the RSPCA or something's going to come and actually prosecute them because it's cruelty <laughs> to an animal out there in the middle. If they continue to play that cruelly right. out there in the middle, because right. I think I don't know what he's actually gaining at the moment by being publicly humiliated, and it's becoming that because he just looked all at sea in that mm. second innings at Headingley. He looked all at sea. He didn't know what he was trying to do. He didn't know what to play. He didn't know what to leave. He didn't know whether to attack. He didn't know whether to stick or twist. And in the end, it looked like an absolutely confused and muddled mind. He needs to get some confidence back and work it all out because he seems to be the only person in this England squad that hasn't benefited so far from the change in regime. Brendan McCullum seems to have sat down with everybody else and you can see some kind of progress with everybody and the team in, as, a, as, a, as a unit. You can't see it with Zach Crawley. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We want to get away from this match and talk about series as a whole, but... As you said, England did this very easily. Um, seven wickets taken 296, if you don't mind. Uh, sorry, um, yes, 296. They had 1.7 wickets. Um, and they win the series 3-0 whitewash, um, which probably no one would have predicted, James. Now, as a series as a whole, as we just mentioned, the top order of the openers specifically have really struggled. You just mentioned a whole lot of um, Zach Crawley. Alex Lees played a little bit, no, no better. It wasn't horrible, but it, it just didn't work for him. You'd, you'd think this would be the breakout series for him to do, make some really big runs. Um, I think he made some runs in that second test match, I believe, was it the first, where he made a 70 or a 60? Yeah, but apart from that, nothing really substantial. Uh, now, of course, he got run out, unfortunately, um, by Zach Crawley um, in the second innings of the third test match. What do you do with those two openers, and who do you bring in? Is, is Sibley the answer? Is Burns the answer? Is Compton the answer? Who I like. Um, mind you, he hasn't played enough first test, first, um, test cricket. Who, who do you replace with those two? Alex Lee stays for me. 
Yeah. If, if I was if I was the chairman of selectors ahead of this Indian Test match and then South yeah. Africa to come, um, I'd say to I'd sit Zach Crawley down and I'd say Zach, there is a future for you. We want you to go back to Kent, yeah. go back and work on your game. We'll send our batting coach down periodically to kind of come and chat to you and work out where you are, and we send us videos, whatever else, and we're going to keep in touch with you. We're not just going to chuck you away. We need you to go and get sorted out you need to work out what you play outside off stump don't just play big booming drives and yeah expect to get away with that all of the time get your head in the game get yourself sorted out work hard on this and then we'll we'll take it from there but india not for you zach alex lees yes he'll be a little bit disappointed that he hasn't gone on to make a few of the starts he's had in test cricket pay and go on to make a big century. Um, that's the thing that's missing. Mm. But I can see enough in Alex Lee to know we can see where his off stump is. He plays a few ugly shots at times. He plays some terrific shots through the offside at times. I think he, I think I'd keep Alex Lee's at the moment. So that leaves one vacancy at the top of the order. And for me, it's a straight shootout. And I haven't got a huge um, leaning either way here. You either go back to Sam Robson who is playing very well over the last 18 months for, for Middlesex, um, has had a previous dalliance into the England team, scored a century, I think it, it was at Headingley, but didn't wasn't able to really kick on from that. But we've said before, you know, I think sometimes going back to somebody that knows what Test cricket actually, you know, has experienced it before, knows what it's about, knows what's required, and has gone away and, and got themselves better, and I think he's a better player now. I think Sam Robertson wouldn't have anything against him coming into that top, top order the other one I think it's a straight shootout between Sam Robson and Ben Compton who obviously mm. um, Zach Crawley's teammate at Kent um, and Ben Compton has been tuning out runs and average averages nearly 70 yeah. um, in first class cricket plus yeah. plus that I think he made that 100 against um, New Zealand yeah. as well yeah. small sample so. size he's not played a huge amount despite the fact that he's um, 28 I think now but mm. uh, obviously you know if you're averaging 70 in first class cricket yeah. against some good attacks along the way you're not doing too badly so I think it's a, a shootout between those two and um, to join Alex Lees at the top of the order maybe even pick a squad where they're both in it you make your assessment after you've seen them for a couple of days in the nets or something like that and see how they fit into the team ethos but I think they've got to change I, I, I just think it's cruel I've said I mean I've already said I think it's cruel on Zach Crawley to keep uh, keep going like this we've seen with Zach Crawley as well even if he scored 100 in the next test match we'd probably then expect another 20 innings where he doesn't score because mm. he has these spikes mm. where he suddenly yeah. looks like he's cracked it and then doesn't yeah. score anything from it so he need, he's got some deficiencies there that he needs to sort out and England need to back him to sort that out and in the meanwhile bring Ben Compton in Sam Robson and mm. you know, it may be Zach Crawley never comes back because mm. yeah, if one of those two openers makes the mark and Alex Lees makes his mark. And at the moment, England's middle order is pretty full. Plenty of candidates and um, Harry Brook waiting in the wings, etc. Maybe you never get your chance again, but that's just the, that is international cricket. You're not, it's not a charity. You're not giving out caps like confetti. You earn your right to play for England. It's an honour to play from England, yeah. for England. And at the moment, Zach Crawley is not fitting the bill for me. So he, he would, he would move on. But I think Ollie Pope, there's enough there to suggest that he's worth, um, carrying on with, with this experiment with him at number three. He's got a century, for goodness sake. So, yeah, yeah. he stays there. Maybe, maybe, if anything, James, a little bit more consistency from bad and bad to good cricket. Just a little bit of consistency. Yeah, with, I mean, you say bad. That. I mean, when you get a, a ball that swings in at you from Trent yeah. Bolt and you're not used to batting at three, yeah. then, um, yeah, you've got to get your head around that. And it's a different mm. role. It's one that you learn. I mean, I said to you right at the start of the series that, if Ollie Pope made a couple of 20s and 30s, that might be enough. Yeah. Because you know, th this is a long-term yeah. project for England and Ollie Pope. This isn't yeah. just about 
this series against New Zealand and, you know, you've got to win as the series. This is about him finding his feet at number three. They've told him they believe in him. They told him he's not going to get dropped. And, you know, you can see the confidence that's coming from him. And, you know, everybody that bats, like I say, in the, in the top three is going to get a brutal ball that's tough to keep out at some stages. But when you get your start, you then make it pay. And, and you can't really criticise Ollie Pope. He's had three test yeah. matches, he's got a big century, got an 82 in the second innings in the chase. Yeah. Uh, Headingly, I think that's. I think he's ahead of where he, where I expected him to be at this stage. And uh, to the bowlers' side of it, um, we know England have got a lot of injuries. Mark Wood's injured. Joffrey Archer's injured. Uh, Ollie Robertson is injured. Has uh, Matthew Potts done enough to to uh, make him want to play uh, in the Indian Test match? Has he done enough? You know, bearing if Robinson comes back or if Wood comes back, if Archer comes back. We know Archer won't come back on this side. Hypotheticing there, James. Um, has has he done enough in this test series, Potts? He's done more than enough for me. Yeah, you know, the, the the positives from this England side, Ollie Pope, yes, definitely massive positive. Yeah. Um, finding his feet and and looking like a test player, Matty Potts, absolutely brilliant. He's come in. Yeah. Um, from Durham. Durham have done a tremendous job because he's not a product of the England age groups and the, the Lions. He's come directly from Durham after early season wickets and he's looked like he belongs right from the start. You know, you come down as an alien to watch this three test match series. You would not know it's Matty Potts' first three test matches. Yeah. Um, you know, hit the ground running at Lords with a load of wickets. Maybe just um, wasn't quite exactly the same at uh, Trent Bridge in the second test. But I thought in, the, in both innings at Headingley, he bowled economically, he probed away, yep. he knew what his plan was, very few loose balls, took wickets, took important wickets, and really does look like a test player. So, you know, I don't think, you know, if you're giving marks out of 10, he's easily an 8 from this three-match series. Which we will with it, with all the players. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.